0: Welcome to It's a Crime, I'm Linda, and today I'm going to be doing an update on the Cassandra Cantrell case. She was the missing Washington woman who was pregnant, and she went missing on August 25th, 2020. I did do a video on Cassandra not long ago, but sadly, Cassandra's body was found on September 22nd, 2020. The baby's father, Colin Dudley, has been charged with first-degree murder. I'm going to show you the timeline surrounding that day and show you how he pre-planned it all. But before I get started, if you'd like to be part of the It's a Crime community, please click that subscribe button below, hit that notification bell to all, also give it a like and share this out where you can. Now let's get into it. Cassandra Cantrell went missing on Tuesday, August 25th, 2020, as I mentioned earlier. She was found almost a month later on September 22nd, 2020. She was murdered by the father of her unborn baby. Colin Dudley did appear in court and he was charged with first degree murder and the judge set his bail at $2 million. Let's talk a little bit about their relationship. The relationship between Colin and Cassandra wasn't straightforward. Colin was in a relationship with another woman and living with that woman. Colin, though, was denying any sort of interaction at all with Cassandra and told authorities he hadn't seen her in years. Now, Cassandra's mom provided authorities with a phone number that she didn't recognize, but this number had been texting Cassandra back and forth on August 19th. Now, authorities then interviewed Colin and he tells them that they did meet at a Rocky Horror Picture Show where he was the director and she was the cast member. He said that they dated a couple months and then broke up in 2006. He said the only other time he had contact with her was in 2010 or 2011 when he saw her working in a mall. He denied any other contact with her. When the authorities confronted Colin about friends and family telling them that she was 10 weeks pregnant and he was the father of the baby, he responded with no, no way, hell no. And when he asked if he was sure that he never got together with her after their breakup, he said no, absolutely not. That was written in the affidavit. Now, he also said he didn't know why Cassandra would say he was the father of the child. Detectives also confronted Colin and reminded him that he said he's had no contact with Cassandra and asked him if it would surprise him that his phone number showed up in her phone records. He said it shouldn't have. The detectives then seized his phone after he confirmed what his phone number was. Now one of Cassandra's friends said that Cassandra was happy about having the baby. This friend knew of Colin and she said Colin reportedly made a statement before they were dating that if any girlfriend of his got pregnant and wouldn't get an abortion he would sue to get full custody just to spite the other for having the child and she said she also believed that he had an anger problem before. Now let's get into the timeline. It was as early as February that there was contact with Colin. Now, on July 16th, there was a pregnancy test done, and it was positive. Two weeks later, on July 29th, there was an initial doctor visit, and during that visit, she did identify Colin as the father. Here's what it says in the affidavit. It says, "The." victim had an initial visit with an obstetrician on July 29, 2020 during that visit she identified the defendant as the father although the notes from the medical records state contraception partner had a vasectomy so was not planning on getting pregnant this pregnancy was not planned patient is feeling overwhelmed father supportive of pregnancy but not planning to be involved with raising child he and mom are on good terms On August 12th, there was a follow-up visit. Then on Tuesday, August 25th, 2020, this was the day Cassandra went missing and also murdered. The next day on the 26th, she was supposed to go to her very first ultrasound appointment. She was going to find out if she was having twins or not, as she is a twin. Now, Colin states that he did have that day off of work that day and Cassandra's mom notes that she was getting dolled up that morning to look pretty. Now, at 6.55 a.m., Colin says that he went to Costco to get gas, and he actually bought a large box of 50-gallon trash bags. Here's what the affidavit says. It says, when asked, he confirmed that he had been off work on August 25th. He stated that on that day he went to Costco business to get gas and then did his spring cleaning. Now I find this interesting because the Costco that they mentioned in the affidavit was the Costco business. When I look it up in Google Maps, it's a 9 to 13 minute drive from his house depending on the route you take, but there's a closer Costco just 5 minutes away. So I kind of wonder if the investigators right away that turn their heads a bit. You can get gas at the closer Costco as well, so that's very interesting. Now he then states he did some spring cleaning that morning. At around the same time that Colin goes to Costco, Cassandra's mom actually leaves for work and she mentions that Cassandra was taking extra time that morning to get ready. Now at 8.15, Colin then drives his Chevy Colorado truck into the Pierce Transit parking garage and he gets his bike out and rides off. Now, if he rode his bike straight home, Google Maps estimates it to be around a 20-minute bike ride, possibly longer for Colin. 8.32 a.m., Cassandra leaves her home, and it is confirmed by the neighbor's surveillance cameras. It's only about a 16-minute drive to Colin's house from Cassandra's. I do wonder if she made any sort of pit stop because around the time that she's set to arrive, Colin actually sends a text to her. He sends that text at 8.49 a.m. Here's what the affidavit says. The investigation revealed that the defendant sent a text to the victim on the morning of August 25th at approximately 8.49. Records showed that he turned his phone off and on throughout the morning, so there were time periods on August 25th where detectives could not obtain location data for the defendant's phone. The records do show that the defendant's phone was on and was registering at his house at 9.41 on August 25th. So then at 9.56 a.m., which is 15 minutes later, the phone was turned off and stayed off until 10.30 a.m. for a total of 34 minutes. During this time, Colin makes a call to the security company ADT. Now at 10.53 a.m., he then texts his girlfriend or wife named Rebecca and told her not to freak out if ADT cameras were down. Here's what his text said. Hey hun, they're working on the internet today, so it and the power are out while they do tests. Don't freak out if the ADT cams are down, that's my doing. This actually reminds me of Chad Daybell's message to Tammy when he was covering up for the raccoon in the yard. He says, well, I've had an interesting morning. I felt I should burn all the limb debris by the fire pit before it got too soaked by the coming storms. While I did so, I spotted a big raccoon along the fence. I hurried and got my gun and he was still walking along. I got close enough that one shot did the trick. He is now in our pet cemetery, fun times. And when you look back at Colin's text, he was explaining how the internet is out and the power is down while they do tests. Don't freak out if ADT is down, that's my doing. So I found that interesting. It just just prompts me and reminds me of Chad Daybell. And I'll show you the next text why as well. So now at 11.40am, Cassandra's phone records are shown leaving the house. And then the ping showed it at the location consistent to where her vehicle was dropped off. And a man matching the description of Colin was seen driving Cassandra's car with gloves on and wearing a fedora type hat. Now he parks near the train station and walks towards the parking garage. Now at 11.58 AM, the phone then appears to leave the Pierce Transit Garage, as does Collins' truck, and it travels to the Owen Beach area of Point Defiance Park, which is where the phone data ends. At 12.45 PM, Cassandra's phone pinged 2.9 miles south of Vashon Tower at Point Defiance Park. Law enforcement finds her phone in the water. Now shortly after 1 p.m. Colin's truck leaves that park. And from Owen Beach to Colin's house is about a 20 minute drive. Now at 1.30 p.m. Colin's phone comes back online and appears to be back at his residence. That does make sense for the time it takes to get from Owen Beach to his house. So at 2.30 p.m. Colin texts Rebecca again and it says, all fixed, recharged, and set. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Interesting. Again, I do want to bring it up because it seems to be a pattern with these guys. You know, the ones that use text to communicate after they did something bad. The two words, fairly painless, makes me think, yeah, fairly painless because you've killed Cassandra and, well, she's not feeling pain anymore. Then he follows it up with a love you. Same as Chad's text to Tammy when he says, gonna shower now and then go right for a while at BYU. Love you. Then a little while later at 3.09 p.m., Colin decides to text his boss about sealant. He says, hey boss, what was the name of the sealant you used in the walk-in kitchen? And it doesn't show what the answer was, but he says, sweet, working on my basement and I liked the results you got. Now, when we look at the affidavit, it says on September 1st, 2020, detectives with the assistance of the FBI searched the defendant's residence. During the search, they located presumptive positive blood in various areas of the basement of his residence. Additionally, canine units trained in locating human remains were run through the house and showed interest in various areas of the basement. So the next day on August 26, it says at 6am a truck traveled to a location near the Chambers Bay treatment plant. And it says it remained stationary for about 10 minutes before moving again and returning to Collins' residence. And again, when you look at the Google Maps, it's about a 20-minute drive from Collins' residence to the treatment plant. Now, Colin tells investigators that he used his employer's dumpster to get rid of trash that morning. And he said it, he took it easy for the rest of the day and then got his bike repaired. Now, the authorities found Cassandra's body almost a month later on September 22nd, and they found her inside of trash bags that had been thrown over a steep hillside. The detectives observed a tattoo on the body that matched the tattoo of Cassandra, And there were stab wounds on the body cassandra was identified through dental records here is what the affidavit says on september 23rd the pierce county medical examiner began the autopsy of the body which was in an advanced state of decomposition and was mostly skeletonized there was no soft tissues left in the neck chest abdominal or pelvic cavities Therefore, the medical examiner was not able to confirm that the victim had been pregnant at the time of her death. The remains were positively identified as being those of victim Cantrell by dental comparison. During the autopsy, the medical examiner noted multiple fractures on the victim's skull. Now, I saw Cassandra's mom speak and she's utterly devastated and shattered about the news of her daughter. And she spoke a little bit about Cassandra's twin brother and him asking why, why this happened. And this guy, Colin Dudley, thought he would get away with it. And I did see a little clip of him in court and actually even reporters were saying that he appeared stoic. Like I said, Colin was charged with first degree murder. My guess is they couldn't slap him with another murder charge for the baby because there was no evidence by the time the medical examiner was able to get to Cassandra. Let's hope this guy never sees the light of day ever, ever, ever again. Let's have a chit-chat below. Please subscribe if you haven't done so already. Please share this out and please give it a like. Thank you so much for watching. See you soon. Muffler guy. Early today.